Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to the Depth Chart Podcast. My name is Freddie Maggard. I'm joined, as always, by Nick Roush in Louisville. And uh, Nick, we have a special guest today, a uh, former teammate of mine, longtime friend. Uh, Wes Jackson, uh, just a fascinating dude beyond football, and we'll get into that. Uh, Wes, thanks for joining us, man. It's good talking to you, my friend. Well, Freddie, Nick, it's good to be here with you. I'm I'm really looking forward to talking with you, buddy. Nick, how about that voice, man? I mean, he's got he's got it, doesn't he? Yeah, that's um, <laughs> it's like narrator for a. Uh, I, I don't know if I don't think it's movie trailer narrator, but it's definitely in the movie, you know, to, maybe even like a, a Christmas carol, you know, I, maybe my brain's still stuck in that, but I can, I can hear the, the narrator's voice now. It's professional, <laughs> much, much more so than us. Well, I mean, I learned less. I don't listen. I, I try, try not to like, not listen, but I do listen to our podcast sometimes. And I sound like freaking Kermit the Frog. And then Wes comes up with, sounds like a, a Broadway actor, man. So, uh, Wes, good to have you on, brother. A uh, little bit, let's just get a little bit into uh, you, Wes. You, you own and operate West Jackson Homes now. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, what you're doing these days in Louisville. Well, sure, Freddie. You know, I, uh, I, I've been fortunate to have a, a long career in media, uh, primarily mm-hmm. digital media. And I retired a few years ago and, and just decided I've got a nine-year-old son and yeah. he, uh, 
you know, as I retired, a couple of things became pretty clear to me. One, I'm a bad retired person. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm not very good at it. Uh, and number two, it's difficult to explain a retirement to a nine-year-old boy who uh, uh, you want to make sure they see yeah. uh, what you do versus hear what what uh, what you say. Yeah. And so um, I, I looked around for a while and just decided I would do a complete sector hop and uh, went and got a real estate license, uh, studied the industry for a while and uh, opened a company. Uh, it'll probably be about a year old here in a couple of months. And uh, we had some starts and stops, but it's just an opportunity to help people um, in an industry where service matters, service to people matter. And you get to work directly with people, uh, which is a lot of fun for me, uh, on some of the biggest decisions in their life. And uh, so that's what that's what I'm doing now. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Can you see my cat in the background? I can. Yeah. Can you believe that? Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is where I am, Wes, at 53 years old. I have a cat, man. And I, and I love this cat. I mean, yeah. this, this, is my, this is my best friend here. Well, you know, it's a good thing that you love cats, partner. You know, I, you with know, everything that you do, being a cat lover is pretty good. Man. <laughs> I mean, this thing, Daisy's my cat. And she just sits here and looks outside and then watches me work. And I seriously, Wes, I mean, I'm like you. I, I have an 11-year-old daughter. Mm. And, and I'm retired from the rat race in, in Frankfurt yeah. and doing the media stuff. So we're kind of similar on that. And, you know, you ask my daughter what I did, and she'll say that her dad watches football on TV and talks about <laughs> it. And it. You know, she, she has no idea. Uh, so, so I work from home, basically. And this cat, there's days, it's the only thing that I talk to other than work is my cat, man. There, there she goes again. So, yeah, I'm a cat man. Uh, Wes, you were the president in, in, in uh, Courier-Journal. Before that, you were in Dallas. Mm -hmm. uh, you've always been a step ahead as far as, as, as big thinking. Uh, Nick, Wes was always the smartest guy in the room uh, while we were at school. Uh, uh, what do you think, man, about just the media, where it is now and where you see it going? Because you, was, you were always a visionary of going to digital. Now you see just the, the modernization of media and really just how what Nick and I do as far as sports media, where do you see it now and where do you see it going? Well, a, a few things, you know, Freddie, it's, one, I, I, I um, you know, I, I don't read as much anymore of, about kind of future uh, of media and all those things. Once I, once I unplugged, I tried to, I tried to fully disengage and yeah. I had to do that. Uh, that's just the way my mind works on this, but I'll tell you a few things that are promising. Um, you know, as, as you see, for instance, even the emergence of podcasts, uh, one of the things that that's doing is it's allowing, um, people to get when they're done correctly, deeper explorations of subject matter, uh, whether yeah. that be sports, um, any type of analysis, uh, that would take place, but certainly in news and on news, uh, subjects, um, any of those things. And what it's doing is it gives the opportunity for um, really deep exploration versus what you can squeeze into a few column inches. 
uh, in a newspaper or um, a three-minute segment uh, on television. I think that's encouraging. Um, I, like most people, you know, what's what's difficult in, in media right now is, is really the pig pen that is um, social media commentation. That's kind of what what it causes people to do there. And I think there'll be a uh, writing of that ship at, at some stage. I, I think people will become so fed up over time with, with all of the comment uh, that's so uh, negative and, and will start to crave kind of credible sources again. Yeah. Uh, start to look for credible sources and start to look for folks that um, are bringing truth to the table yeah. instead of fire and yeah. trying to kind of, you can only stroke people's anger for so long, yeah. you know, before, before that comes out. So I, I look forward to seeing how technology evolves uh, uh, from that standpoint uh, in media and, in a and starts to affect, I think, uh, the world in a little more positive way. Well, you, you were the president of the Dallas paper in Texas. And then before you were the president of the Courage Journal, which had to be a thrill for you being a Louisville guy. Yeah. Uh, Nick, one thing that Wes did was uh, bring uh, uh, Kyle Tucker to Louisville yeah. for the Courage Journal. Uh, that, that's something, Wes, I mean, that hire, uh, like him, love him, indifferent. I happen to love Kyle. Yeah. That's, that's, that's changed a lot. And he's brought a lot to the Kentucky beat. Well, a couple of things. First, I, I did not run the, the the Dallas newspaper, the Dallas Morning News. I was with the company that owned the Dallas Morning News. Okay. The right. I was the president of their digital company. Okay. Um, that uh, that published the Dallas News website, their news, and, and a lot of the marketing solutions and those things that are there. And so that was run as an independent company within the framework of Delo. So, uh, and we built that. It was a it was a blast. It was a ton of fun to build that. So the first time, uh, really, that I, I ran a newspaper was the Courier Journal, and it really started as I was consulting with a former uh, uh, board member uh, on a company called Cars.com. It's Classified Ventures, and he asked me to come and help him with their digital transition. And part of what you started looking at, uh, newspapers are just struggling, and you know, yeah. you've got big, big changes that are taking place. Um, in that industry. It's called secular change, right? It's not coming back. Mm -hmm. And so making that transition was a big deal. But part of doing that was bringing in the kind of talent um, that understood how, how to engage people in social media. And Kyle was one of those. Kyle is a phenomenal writer. Um, I thought he did an amazing job for the Courier Journal. He continues to do so with The Athletic um, uh, right now. He's one of my favorite follows. Um, and he He's just, um, he's got an incredible way of telling stories. And yeah. I, think, I think people who follow Kyle, no matter what you like or don't like, right? And all you got to do is find anybody's social media feed and you find usually, <laughs> you know, somebody who yeah. likes them and doesn't like them. Um, I think Kyle's great. And I think he's good for the University of Kentucky athletics in that regard uh, because he digs in and tells some amazing stories like you, Freddie. I, I think um, what you're doing for football in the in the state of Kentucky is is incredible. I think you're the analytics that you brought in and you and Kyle kind of collaborated there for a little while. And I just think your storytelling has has really blossomed in the last few years. And you're, you're a terrific follow for most people who are looking for 
great analysis that that uh, gives you a perspective of football that most people don't have. Nick, uh, that's a hundred dollars advertising that I just paid for uh, from Wes. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah. I, I do yeah, like before. though Wes that you mentioned just the, the the how things have gone digital and I uh you know we don't need to belabor the point anymore but it was you know just the news the other day that the CJ is not going to print a Saturday edition anymore right. and for me I was like oh my gosh what would what have what would have high school Nick have done if he couldn't go and cut out the story in the Correct. paper you know, but like, that's not how kids consume their news anymore. And, uh, you know, I, I think also it says that like over the last few years, I mean, I pay for a digital subscription. I know a lot of people do. And I think there was some hesitancy, but the more you push digitally, um, like I know Manny McLaren did a big education kind of expose telling the, how traditional schools and basically informing, you know, somebody who's lived in the city forever, how that system works. I had no idea, but the digital uh, environment we're in, it kind of allows you to tell stories in a different way to include audio. Uh, sound, like there's a lot of different ways to be able to, to tell a story now. And I think, I think people are getting back on board. It's just that initial change, you know, it's just, it's hard to get us old, old heads to do something different. Well, it, and, and that's gone for a long time. I, I built my first website in 1995 in Lexington, Kentucky and open a company there. And, and boy, you talk about trying to, you know, figure out, we called it the web one line at a time, right? So you'd hear a squeal when you logged in and you'd watch web pages kind of tick down uh, <laughs> on a 14-4 modem um, uh, from that standpoint. So, it, and, and it, I just was fascinated uh, with where this could go for media and the trying to drive change in your life, but in organizations and anything else, is is hard to do and you take newspaper companies and the courier journal has roots that go back a gosh now probably 190 years somewhere in there yeah. 186 years um and it's been basically the same business model that whole time which has been a phenomenal business model it just won't work anymore and so you'll see newspapers across the country they already have they're going to mm -hmm. less days a week in publishing and the smart ones are still really finding great journalists who can tell stories and they tell those stories in podcasts, in multimedia forms online, uh, in bits through social media. And what they do uh, when they do that is they help create accountability uh, in our societies. That's a big job. Uh, journalism is in trouble um, in, in a lot of ways, but it's also just such an important part of the fabric of what we need in our communities. So, you know, that's heavy stuff, man. I'm here to, I, I want to talk football, but it, it, it's still a passion. If you can't tell, yeah. I, believe, yeah. I believe in what media can do in communities and what it means, and especially small communities across, uh, across um, you know, Kentucky, where that's even harder to find, you know, credible media sources or even your sports content. And that's where people like you guys are so important uh, in terms of what you do. Let's get to the football part. Wes, yeah. uh, Nick West was a center at DuPont Manual, played in the state championship game, went to UK. Much like Luke Fortner played multiple positions on the offensive line, <clears throat> settled in at center, uh, was a center for the uh, Peach Bowl team in 93. Uh, before we get to UK, Wes, we talked earlier that, that you were in Dallas for some yeah. years. What 
what is the what is uh, the thought process of the Texas and Oklahoma fans of going to the SEC? Well, do they expect? I, I mean, you know them. Do they expect to come over here and do what they do in the Big Twelve? You know, I I I will tell you. The first story I'll tell you is I showed up in Dallas uh, in May. I got a note from the sports department, you know, at the Dallas Morning News, and they said, we understand you played football at the University of Kentucky. Um, we want you to reserve this time. It was in August, and you're going to spend a day with us, and we're going to show you Texas. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so uh, we get a couple of you know, sports guys to come out, and we start driving. We're in a car. They don't tell me where we're going. We started driving. It was about a four-hour drive, and we went from Dallas um, out to Permian. Uh, you yeah. familiar? Does that bring yeah. about right? mm -hmm. Friday Night Lights, that whole deal? And we ended up around Odessa, and about an hour and forty-five minutes away from where we were headed, everything was shut down to see at the ball game. Gas stations, everything. An hour and forty-five minutes away from the scene, we pull in there, and this high school football had like 35,000 huge tailgate, you know, all the way around the entire community was there for that ball game. And they, and we, as we pulled up, it was an, it was an electrifying game and just the crowd, the experience, everything else for high school, for high yeah. school. And the, the writer who was with me just said, you know, Wes, well, this is Texas. Yeah. And so I share that with you just to say, that, oh, yeah, Texas, Oklahoma, um, they believe they're going to succeed in the SEC. Their fans do. Um, they'll be concerned. Texas is, has had a, a bit of a hard run um, yeah. compared to their standards. Uh, Oklahoma has been, you know, consistently terrific. And I think if you look at a recruiting base across Texas in that region, there's still, you know, there's, there's, there's an, an amazing load of talent. Um, all through that that region that that can supply those teams. Those are big brands. Those are consistent brands. Their fans will expect that they're winning in the in the Southeastern Conference. What's funny to me is is the Texas Texas A and M hatred. Uh, <laughs> I experienced that, yeah. Freddie. Like I just the uh, I was actually scrolling through some old pictures last night and I found some from my trip to College Station back in 2018. Mm. And, Wes, that was the same weekend as the, the Red River rivalry. And oh, yeah. I was just, you know, I think UK played at 3.30 that day. So I'm sitting at a, you know, a bar eating lunch, and that yeah. game's on. And the, you would have thought I was in there with a bunch of Oklahoma fans. No, they just they just hate Texas that much. They hate it to their – hate them to their core. It was crazy. Yeah, well, and Dallas was pretty interesting because Dallas is pretty close to Oklahoma. To yeah, to yeah. both. It's kind of right right there in that kind of equidistant. Most of the people in Dallas are kind of from different areas. So they used to tell me Dallas isn't really Texas. You have to go to Fort Worth before you meet a Texan. Uh, <laughs> but you would watch the Red River rivalry um, there. And I went to one of those games while I was there. Oh, what an incredible experience. I mean, it, it, it was, it was something else. I, I'm just telling you and any, any it, through Dallas, at least any of the bars that you went to, you'd, you'd have, you'd have Oklahoma bars, you'd have Texas bars, and then you'd have a few where they, they would mesh. And it was pretty hot. It's pretty hot. <laughs> well, I can't wait for them to get in the SEC. I think it's going to bring a lot of, uh, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about media in this podcast. Yeah. Bringing Texas to, and Oklahoma yeah. to the SEC is going to help our jobs because there's yeah. the, the, the stories and the podcast are 
recording and writing themselves about those two coming over. Uh, Wes, I want to jump into uh, the culture that Mark Stoops has built. And Adam Luckett, who's, who's a tremendous writer for KSR and does the 11 Personnel podcast, came up with a word to describe the culture at Kentucky. And I keep forgetting the word. What, it, what is it, Nick? Alignment. Alignment. Program alignment. Yeah. I, 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 I need to write that down because it's really good. And one thing that I talk about on this podcast, and, and we have Andy Murray and Jay Dorge, Christian, we've had a guys. bunch of former players. Yeah. Former players on this podcast is program alignment and what Mark Stoops, Courtney Love, Susan Lacks, and those folks have done at UK as far as former player interaction. And I, I don't know your take on it, Wes, but I think it's the best it's been since I've left UK is, is former players, you know, we feel kind of welcome, wanted, appreciated at Kentucky now. Uh, I, I think that's correct, you know, Freddie. And I, I'd speak to culture for a minute, just having built a number of businesses yeah. And, you know, there's, there's an old adage that, you know, it's, it's almost a cliche now that uh, culture beats strategy every time because culture is kind of that unspoken rule in an organization um, and the things that people align to that may or may not be documented is what you really expect. And when you get that alignment of culture uh, from players to administration, uh, coaches, um, all of those things really pointing toward excellence. It, it is just, it overwhelms um, good strategy, sometimes even bad strategy, right? It just doesn't, it just, it runs an organization. It's the hardest thing to get in an organization is to build that kind of culture, especially if you're trying to change it. Uh, and once you get it, 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 it really drives success. So that is, to me is the most impressive thing Mark Stoops has done at the University of Kentucky um, in a football program that doesn't have, you know, a big history to kind of change that culture that produces consistency of success. Uh, that's incredible. I think their engagement with former, former players is part of that overall uh, yeah. culture build uh, that he's put in. And I think it's a smart strategy um, for, for them. And I think to pull players, former players in uh, to the organization, make them feel welcome, um, makes a difference for the organization. I think it makes a difference in their recruiting. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, along the way. Uh, but it also, you know, if you think about that, it's extending respect yeah. Um, now to a group of folks who, you know, aren't expecting it, quite frankly, right. you know, I, I don't, the university doesn't owe me anything. Um, but it just, it, it respects uh, people and players uh, from, from previous time. And I, I, I think that says something about who they are right now, when, when they're able to kind of build on that uh, and to bring, bring, bring players in to the fold, former players. It's pretty cool. Nick, I, I wrote that one down, culture beat strategy. <clears throat> Wes, I'm going to use that. Thank you, by the way. Uh, dude, I stole it from somebody else, too. So <laughs> that, that, that's recycled. That's recycled. Part of the culture and personality of the Kentucky football program lies within its offensive line. Mm -hmm. John Schlarman started that. Mm -hmm. John was a teammate of yours uh, for one year. Wes, talk a little bit about John Schlarman, the teammate, and then transitioned into what he did with that offensive line and what he means to that program still today. 
Yeah, a couple, a couple of things, you know, so we, we overlapped for a year. So John, I think was redshirted uh, the year. It was my senior year uh, when we went to the Peach Bowl. Uh, but I, I think things that I would tell you I remember on as he came into the fold. One, he, you could tell how tough he was. Yeah. So there's a kind of a, a makeup that some people have that has not toughness, you know, I'm, I'm trying to fight you and practice anything else, just a, a resolve um, uh, to get better. And, and he focused on small things, right? It, you know, you could just watch him work on detail um, while, as a freshman coming in. Um, I think that is probably unusual. I haven't coached a lot of college, you know, level football, but the kind of focus was there. So you could, you know, some people are just different. You can, and you've seen it in your life when you run in and John had that something that was just a little different. And it played out, of course, while I wasn't in his career at the University of Kentucky. Well, what was really interesting is what he was doing with young men as a coach yeah. um, at, at the University of Kentucky. And what he started there with the Big Blue Wall, um, very few linemen that have played at the University of Kentucky, I could tell you they're not proud of that. Yeah. And if they do, it'd be hard-pressed. It's just really good to see the focus on big guys, but more importantly, the kind of football they play and, and the foundation that he laid for what they would, would do. And that was not an easy build for him. I'll tell you, I remember talking with him when he first got there, and he was like, you know, you know, Wes, I don't know if we got a guy who can bench press over 400 pounds. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that says a lot. Yeah, yeah he, he, built the, he built that offensive line to, you know, like you said, appreciate the, the big guys, right? I mean, yeah. how many offensive lines across college football has a nickname, has a yeah. website, uh, yeah. is now <clears throat> is producing pros, Darren Kennard, uh, mm -hmm. two-time All-American, and, and is in the, in the conversation, Wes, is the best offensive lineman to play at Kentucky. When you're a consensus yeah. All-American, I mean, he's in that discussion, so – uh, he, Luke he's, he's an incredible. He's he's an incredible yeah. player. He really is. Yeah. And belongs in that discussion. Yeah, and then Luke Fortner is one of my all-time favorite players. Yeah, I know nice. you can appreciate. Yeah, you can appreciate him yeah. uh, playing guard and, and then uh, landing at center. Yeah, I thought he did a tremendous job. Has a future in the NFL. Yeah. and he, he reminds me a lot of you because when when Luke walks in the room, he he doesn't try to be, but he's the smartest guy in the room. You know, with an engineering degree, a master's in engineering, an MBA. I mean, the kid is sharp, but he, yeah. he's a pro, right? I mean, yeah. he is a pro. Uh, Nick, Dare Rosenthal came out <clears throat> yesterday and announced yeah. his intentions to enter the draft. So now Kentucky's going to have to replace two starting tackles and the and center. Mm -hmm. Nick, what, how, how do you see that playing out? Does Kentucky have a tackle right now in the fold? or two tackles now that could step into that starting role. What's your, what's your breakdown of this Kentucky offense for 2022 without Dara Rosenthal? See, and, and it's, it's tough enough replacing a consensus All-American. When you, when you got to replace two offensive tackles, that's when things get tricky. And it's not like Kentucky hasn't recruited well at that position. There's a lot of four-star talent there, but – I mean, Lane and Young got drafted last year. Darian Kennard is going to get drafted this year. Dare Rosenthal, he's going to be picked at some point this year. Like, 
you've had talent there, so you aren't going to sit those guys on the sideline to get those other guys experience. So it's going to be a young group. I thought ideally you could convince Dare, listen, buddy, come back and, you know, maybe be a day one pick. Uh, but he he was content. He was ready to move on. And mm-hmm. in that scenario, like I, I, I like Eli Cox as a similar to Fortner where he's going to kind of mm-hmm. rise through. He can do a little bit of everything. He can play that center role. There might be an adjustment period. <clears throat> But I'm confident he can do that. And I, and even though he gave up, you know, a speed rush on that first or, you know, one of those early dropbacks in the Citrus Bowl, I think Kenneth Horsey can be a, a solid offensive tackle. The The question is now, these young guys that you've recruited well, how well can you groom them over the next nine months to be ready for that other tackle spot? Mm-hmm. Um, one of them just arrived on campus, Keontae Goodwin. Keontae Goodwin is going to get a ton of talk like he always has, but he also doesn't have a ton of experience. And not just like just he just hasn't played a lot of football. He's great in the weight room. He's an a- exceptional athlete, but he hasn't seen a lot of twists and stunts and blitzes. Like they're going to be throwing a lot at him. Um, so ideally, you have somebody else that can be a placeholder and he can be that third guy. Now, one of those placeholders, it could be Jeremy Flax. Uh, he did not perform well last year, former four-star uh, Juco offensive tackle. But they really liked what happened in the spring. Something clicked in the spring, and then that light bulb got unscrewed during the summer and just things went awry. So maybe you get it from there. Maybe you get it from DeAndre Buford. Uh, but I also think ultimately what's going to happen is that Kentucky's going to get a uh, – they're going to go to the portal to get an offensive tackle. This is going to be a taller task, a more difficult one to find. But I think in an ideal situation – those young guys that need the reps and spring ball can get them. And then when you get another wave of transfers following spring practice, when guys at other programs who think they're going to be starters, they compete, compete. They find out they're second on the depth chart at a place like a Georgia or Clemson, or, you know, you name one of those schools that's riddled with five-star prospects. There's going to be some of those guys in there that are talented, that are like, all right, I'm not going to stick this anymore. I'm going to play. And, and Kentucky could be that home. So I, I, that's my kind of ideal scenario. But it, it is weird, though, Freddie, that for the first time in a long time, a long, long time, we're entering a season where the greatest strength now is, is kind of the biggest question mark at offensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, question mark being the unknown. We don't know who's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that that culture uh, will prevail. Uh, you know, and, and Mark Stoops to this point, I mean, has more than earned <laughs> the trust that we should put in him. That he's he's going to figure it out mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> as far as getting five guys out there that are going to uphold the standards of what the Big Blue Wall stands for. Wes, <clears throat> a player I like a lot, redshirted this year is guard Jagger Burton out of Frederick mm-hmm. Douglass. How hard is it for an offensive lineman to come in? You know, we're talking about Keontae Goodwin also. He's a tackle. You are an inside guy, but he's a tackle. How hard is it for a high school player to come in and play year one or year two in the Southeastern Conference on the offensive line? I just have to tell you, the the, the speed of the game is so different. Um, and, you know, there's a speed jump from any high school player that's moving into any college uh, program and you're going to run into the SEC and you're typically at tackle facing the best, one of the best athletes on the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. 
And so, especially Southeastern Conference. So you got a guy out there that's a four, you know, four, five, four, six guy. That's two, uh, you know, 50 to 280, you know, somewhere in there, a great athlete and is unbelievably fast. And then with the complexity of the defense and twists and all those things, that's a big, big ask, especially at tackle, especially yeah. at tackle where you are on an island, um, you know, out there. And actually my first start at the University of Kentucky was at tackle. A guy named Chuck Bradley went down, he was hurt. And I had to go out against LSU and play tackle. And you know, after playing guard, I got to tell you, you feel naked out there. I mean, you're all alone. I mean, it is, it's, it is, it, it's nothing like being inside at guard, uh, you know, or, or center. That is a completely different offensive line position uh, uh, when, when you move out there. So I think it takes a special talent. I, it would be unbelievably hard to come in and start and be consistently good as a true freshman, because, you know, both the skills that you want to develop adjustment to the speed, but also starting to understand uh, from twists uh, to different types of defenses that you're going to see and be able to apply that. So you're not thinking while you're playing, you're, you're able to, to be fast mentally. Um, that's a big ask uh, right there. So I, I think the transfer portal uh, has been good even to the offensive line, as you see Darrell Rosenthal come in and some of those things. Yeah. Um, but I think for fans who would put a lot of expectation, for instance, on Keontae, uh, who's coming in, who, you know, great, great tools, all those other things. That's a very, no, no matter how big and strong and fast uh, that kid is, that's a tough, that's a tough ask, you and, know, and, for them to give and do that. And to put it uh, simply, Wes, the only two true freshmen I can remember even getting significant reps, they're both NFL players and two of the greatest ever to it at Kentucky, Landon Young and, yeah, and Darren right. Kennard. Like, Kennard, yeah. consensus All-American, played yeah. some as a true freshman, never started. Um, mm -hmm. And then Landon, he got thrown into it because of an injury as well. And, I, yeah. man, and I still remember that first rep he had at Florida when yeah. uh, Cole Moser went down. Whew, uh -huh. man, there was, there was some learning there. There was some learning in that dang game. That's a, that's a, that's a different, but I, I think, you know, if you go back to that culture piece, you know, what they're building, what, when they bring people in, like Dare came in uh, to that kind of culture. And I think he became a better player than even what we saw at LSU, um, yeah. uh, you know, from him. And a, a big part of that is coaching and culture, uh, but it's, it's the leadership in that line. So I think guys are going to step up um in there and and meet the expectation of the culture of that offensive line in the big blue wall who that will be i, I think spring ball is going to be really critical uh, for the offensive line this year in terms of the experience they get and to see who can emerge and, and really step forward there well why why is it i mean obviously you know you're one-on-one -on -one a lot at tackle mm -hmm. especially at left tackle because mm -hmm. offenses are, are, are heavy right-handed. You have a tight end there that can help you out. Mm -hmm. But talk us through uh, the, the difficulty. I've always heard – I never did play offensive line, even though uh, I was always built like an offensive line. <laughs> that's, that's what I loved about you as a quarterback, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I had that mentality. Uh, yeah. but, but, but explain to us, the, you know, why is it that much different and – the hard is always. I've always heard the further you get away from the ball, as you know, center on out. Why is it more difficult to go out than it is to play on the interior? 
Well, especially early in your career. Well, well, early in your career, everything is just moving faster than you've ever seen it before. So let's just kind of put that out there. I think you're going to see things early in your career that you've never seen before, even no matter how much you've practiced or you haven't seen enough. So you haven't just had enough even mental reps of different types of defenses you see. But if you think about it, if you're playing center and guard, everything is com- more compact around you. So even if you get off a little bit uh, on just pass protection, you might, you, you got a smaller, it's almost like a little phone booth, right? You know, yeah. it, that it's a smaller window. So a center might be able to bump, you know, a little bit. So it, it forgives you a little forgiveness sometimes on a mistake uh, because it's, it's tighter the closer in you get to the ball. Uh, that creates different challenges, right? You know, for, for what you're doing. If you get out there to tackle, it is, you think about it, you've got, you know, let's just say you got a two, two yard to, you know, three yard split, you know, it, yeah. if you're going to real. And then you're out there with that great athlete who's a better athlete than you. That no matter how good an athlete you are as a tackle, that's a better athlete usually that's lined up, especially left tackle on that side. And you have to, run backwards right to set to get into a position to block an incredible athlete that can go inside of you and there is no help maybe run outside of you and there is no help and you got to get your hands on them without holding them and and protect that and they've got a two two way go they can come inside they can come outside with any number of moves and if you mess up there's nobody that's going to kind of help chip that guy uh, or, you know, kind of pick you up from that, from that standpoint. So that's a lonely spot out there um, at tackle when, when, especially, you know, if it's third and plenty and everybody knows you're going to throw the ball and you got to get that, that dude blocked. And they've got a whole bunch of moves they're working on to go destroy a quarterback uh, and get you uh, down there. And if you're a freshman, and you haven't seen those moves, and you've got that lonely island out there uh, with the speed of the game. Wow, man. Respect to freshmen who get quality reps in any conference, but certainly in the Southeastern Conference, yeah. uh, yeah. playing tackle um, from that side. And it also tells you what a luxury it is to have folks like Darian Kennard um, yeah. uh, and that kind of athlete and talent uh, that's out there. That's a <laughs> You mentioned. You mentioned Chuck Bradley early, earlier, you know, and the difficulty as a freshman. He played yeah. as a freshman. Yeah. And I'll never forget, you know, Wes, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of stuff I don't remember about college. But as stories are told, I don't know the difference. Is that a story or is that the truth, right? Yeah, right. The one, right. The, the one truth I remember when, when Chuck was a freshman, he was out on the island and got beat. And right before I got ear holes, I can remember, <laughs> watch out, Curtis. <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like that because Chuck called everybody Curtis. Yeah. And, 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 and he, he got drilled. I can re- distinctly remember him saying, watch out, Curtis. Then I got hammered by somebody. So, uh, watch yeah. out, Curtis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> watch out, Curtis. Bam. Wondell Robinson, Nick. Man, you know, announced, announced he's going pro, which is good for him. Mm-hmm. And I hope nothing but the best. And you, you know, you're a lot younger than Wes, than, than me and Wes. Is that the most dynamic year of receiver of, in your lifetime that you've seen play at Kentucky? 
it's certainly the most dominant from a you knew when he uh, that he was going to be the best athlete on the field no matter what and even though they didn't always result in big play touchdowns i'm sure his teammates gave him a lot of guff for getting tackled inside the five i can think of you know three or four off the top of my head but it's the most dominant re- re- season by a receiver in uk history and mm-hmm. when you look at the record books a lot of that stuff it, it, it's air raid you know back when people didn't yeah. know how to defend anything and that's not to discredit you know james whalen or craig east mm-hmm. they're great players but they benefited from the times that they also benefited from having outstanding quarterbacks. Um, Will Levis is a, was a good quarterback, but he's in his first year as a starter. And he was able to create a connection with Robinson who, yes, Josh Ali was there. They had some quality help from the tight ends. They really spread the wealth there, but particularly in the citrus bowl, when you had, I mean, he, he was the guy that they were going to go to on that final drive. And Kentucky just kept going to him, and they couldn't stop it. He had 86 yards on that final possession. 86. 86 of the 89 UK had to gain or whatever it was. My numbers might be a little bit off. But he had all but the last carry that Rodriguez had. And I I think that what's going to be – what's really going to make his legacy lasting and memorable – like we remember Randall Cobb for his ability to do so much. Uh, and, and in a similar vein, like you remember Lynn Bowden, the playmaker, like when Kentucky needed a big play, he was going to run for a 45 yard touchdown at quarterback, or previously he was going to return a punt for a touchdown. He did in the citrus bowl. He did in that game against Missouri when all things, all hope appeared to be lost. Wondell was just a great receiver who is a little guy. They didn't play like a little guy. He played like a big guy. That touchdown he had against LSU, he was completely stretched out in the end zone, diving for a catch, playing above his height. That third down catch, he got just destroyed. And then every single time he'd be down on the ground, he'd catch his breath, and then he would hop back up. He'd jump like three feet into the air and get the whole crowd fired up. That that resiliency, that toughness, the ability to play – out of his size, I, I I wrote like a post in October about records to be broken. I never in a thousand years would it, like. I was just like, he, no way he catches receiving yards record. It's just it's unobtainable. And what does he do? He he goes and does it in the most dramatic way possible. He is without a doubt. You know, I've seen we've seen some great receivers. I know there's a running joke like Stevie Johnson is great. Uh, a, a manual guy, Keenan Burton was great, but none of them could dominate a game as a receiver quite like Wondell Robinson. Yeah, I agree. And, and Wes, one of my all-time favorite players. Uh, you know, Kentucky's had a long history of running backs, right? I mean, uh, I'm over to the them West, Nick, and we had, you know, Mark Higgs, Mark Logan, Ivy Joe, Andy Murray, Ivy Joe Hunter, Alfred Rawls, Al Baker, and we had a bunch of pros. But, <laughs> Wes, I really, really like Chris Rodriguez, Jr. I love the way he runs. I like his mentality. He did have fumble issues. But as an offensive lineman, Wes, how good must it feel to have uh, Rodriguez back there running the football, not knowing that you only have to create just a small gap for him to get through? And then if you don't get through your block, he's going to put his helmet in the back of your shoulder pad. 
That's well, <laughs> that's the truth. I, we had a guy that came in. We had some good running backs even when I was there. So I crossed over with Alfred Rawls. Um, yeah. But our Peach Bowl year, uh, but the true freshman that came yeah. in, Mo Williams. You remember mm-hmm. him? And who – and there's a difference. And, and C-Rod is this diff- much different than Mo as a running back. Uh, but they, there's a certain kind of vision that only a few – have and he just has that knack to get positive yards and that man that covers mistakes for offensive yeah. linemen and knowing you don't have to be absolutely perfect in order uh, to get that allows you to play as a lineman more aggressive uh even more aggressive and, and do that and man c-rod just that first of all what big news that he's coming back uh, yeah i mean that that is a big big news item for that football team. Well, yeah. uh, and number two, he is going, he's just, he's, he's, he's going to have a great year. If you get that line, you know, just serviceable, if it gets back up to big blue wall standards, after all the changes that we we've talked about um, could be another phenomenal year. And to, to your point, Wes, earlier about culture, mm-hmm. I'm not as, like, I think worst case scenario, Kentucky's going to find a mauler that can help him run the football next year. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm more concerned yeah. about getting those guys on an island and pass sets and pass rush. That's where it does take a lot of talent yeah. and kind of next level abilities. Mm-hmm. But that culture, they're going to be able to run the damn ball. <laughs> That's if all if all else does not go according to plan. If you, if your yeah. pass pro struggles and those young talented receivers don't make the jumps that you want no matter what you can, you're going to be able to fall back on the running game with chris rodriguez in 2022 yeah. I, i'd point to the touchdown that won the citrus bowl yeah right and <laughs> you know for for c-rod which is just to me exactly what that guy represents he was hit in the backfield they had they had arms around his hips right if you remember that play uh what was he five yards deep in the backfield, yeah. and somehow Shook that off, scored a touchdown, and ran right over one of his own players to get in the end zone. Right, <laughs> right. He slid into the end zone on top of one of his own guys because you know, you know, train has tracks, right, and it runs over whatever's in the way. And he, so I, I just thought that was a, a really good example of you know the kind of running back he, is. he just doesn't make negative yard plays. Yeah, and that he he gets forward momentum uh in so many different ways and and what a real talent uh to have that coming back i I, I did the math freddie and his his tackles for loss basically if you if you give chris rodriguez the ball there's a 97 percent chance he's not going to get tackled behind the line of scrimmage It's insane. It's insane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I want to be perfectly clear about the Kentucky offensive line. Yeah. I, the, I am not concerned. The The word concern is not in my train of thought. Mm-hmm. I think the best description that I could have about my uh, view of the Kentucky offensive line for 2022 and all the personnel changes is I'm interested. Big difference in concern and interested. I'm interested to see how Coach Wolf fills those fills those roles and develops those young young guys because the culture's there. There there's an expectation. So Nick, I agree with you. No matter who's in there, they're going to be able to run the daggone football. Well, this is where <laughs> culture know, beats. Blocking. 
yeah, yeah. That, well, this is culture where culture strategy. really matters, um, you know, from that side. So they've got talented guys, you know, yeah. that, that are that are there that are going to step up and they're going to emerge. Uh, they'll come out of there. But I even remember Horsey had to move out to, to tackle. Yeah. And there, there are a few places. So that guy is, is a terrific run blocker. And he, he was great out there. But, he, you know, that island, that Nick, that we yeah. were talking about, that comes out there. That was a different game for him as he moved from guard to tackle and he, he moved from the phone booth fighting mm-hmm. in a phone booth, uh, yeah. you know, to, to fighting, you know, out on the plains, you know, with, with, yeah. with not much around them. A lot you harder to get see, your hands on somebody. Right. Right. You know, it's, you can see that adjustment. Now he's got all the tools to do that. Yeah. He's got yeah, nine right months to get it. ready for it too. And he's got, you know, he's got time to do it. I think he's got the skills and equipment, you know, uh, to do it. I think he's got the mental makeup to do all those things. So to me, that's going to be a fun story to watch uh, through spring yeah. to see uh, what will emerge on this line and to see this culture at work uh, really bringing that next crop of, of linemen forward, uh, you know, for the big blue wall. So, you know, I agree with you, Freddie. It, it, it's uh, You could be concerned if you want to, uh, but yeah. it's really going to be one of the more exciting stories to watch if you're yeah. really love football, right? And you're in there and you – you care about big old nasty guys that put their hand down in the dirt and, you know, they get a little snot, you know, running out of there and they're stinky and sweaty during the game. <laughs> that was the Bill Curry coming out in West. Uh, yeah. Nick, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, uh, Wes, uh, Nick, Nick hates Louisville. I, I'm just, yeah. I'm just going to get that out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you're a UK guy. I am. However, Nick, Wes lives in a divided house. I do. Julie I do as is well. A U of L fan. Yeah. yeah. Now listen, yeah, my, Wes, my wife Wes, is a big U of L fan. Oh, Wes, okay. Talk, talk us through this year's Governor's Cup. How, how did you watch? Did you watch at home? Do you two not talk the day of the game? Yeah. Is there so, anger afterwards? So we have an uneasy piece, right? You know, an uneasy <laughs> piece that for football. Right. Since I played played football. So there is no peace during basketball season. Right. I mean, that's yeah. there's no peace. But for football, an easy piece is that we don't watch a game together, but I don't hear her. She doesn't <laughs> talk smack at all. Of course, she hadn't had a whole lot of reasons to, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, lately on the football. So we I don't have to hear that as much during football. And I'll just tell you, you know, it one of my first dates, it was uh I took her to a UK uh, Auburn game and Cam Newton won on the last play. Remember Auburn was number one down there. And so I'm sitting up there with former players, you know, with, with my wife and she turns around and she found the one lonely Auburn fan somewhere in there. She's got a (laughs) UVL shirt on because I wouldn't take her to the game in Auburn colors uh, on that one. And I was, she's high-fiving this guy. So I I thought, you know, she's going to have to walk back to Louisville. (laughs) And uh, so, and then I looked at it, I was like, anybody who's got that kind of sand, right, you know, then probably, I, I want to hang around with her a little bit more. She, she's pretty tough. <laughs> in her own life. But yeah, so it, it's it's tough, man. And, and Nick, you got a divided house. I don't know how you work it out, but we don't watch basketball games at all together. And we will, we can enter the room during a football game mm-hmm. and it's okay. That's the uneasy piece that, that, that we've arrived at. <laughs> and it's mainly her because, you know, for me, I, I, you know, for the city of Louisville and everything else, I, you know, I want the University of Louisville to do well, just not better than Kentucky. 
um, <laughs> from, uh, from that standpoint, because I think it's it's important for the state, and I think it's important uh, there. Now, as a fan, I just want Kentucky to beat them in every game they play. Well, yeah, and, and it's more fun when they think they can win, too. Like, in football, yeah. they, they thought they right. could win going to that game. It was hilarious. It was so funny. Right. And then to just have them get their souls ripped out, it's even more fun. Luckily, yeah. my wife is not the – like, she was raised in Ohio, so she's yeah. she just went to U of L. So, like, they're – I got to deal with more Ohio Buck Ohio State Buckeyes bullcrap than anything. Right. Um, but no, it's uh, oh, man, it, it almost makes me sad too seeing only like five thousand people at their basketball game watching them getting smacked down by yeah um, one win know, ACC it, team. It, it's it's a tough time right now. If if you're a Louisville fan, um, it, it's it's. It's it's pretty tough. And, Not a whole lot. Know, to, it, don't have a president. Don't have an AD. Right. You're going to get so, new coaches. You know, sure. They're going to, there, there's not a whole lot of rays of hope, you know, right now. And then, you know, the NCAA stuff, which I think the NCAA is, imagine it were Kentucky sitting that long on waiting on an anthem, right? How, how incensed would you be with the NCAA that they, yeah. they just sat there and, and quietly undermine your program for that long with no answers uh, that from, for any program, uh, is just I think the NCAA is just absolutely cheated a number. It's of devastating them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, I, I want them to do. I want them to be better. Um, you know, just not better than Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Last football topic, then we'll get you out of here, Wes. I know you gotta you gotta head out. Um, Kentucky's getting the return of of DeAndre Square, Jacquez Jones, Jordan Wright to go along with J.J. Weaver out of Louisville there, West, and Trevor Wallace, who I think has a tremendous future. I just named you five linebackers that can absolutely fly. That is huge for the Kentucky defense to get five experienced linebackers back for 2022 and looks to be a position of strength for that defense next season. Well, you know, you guys are looking at this in way more detail and more frequently than, than I am, but what an, it's another statement on the program. That kind of speed yeah. with depth at linebacker is, a, is, is just evidence, further evidence of how different the football program is than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, from, from that standpoint. So that's a huge huge uh deal there and and i'll tell you the other big thing that you know it's i hate to kind of keep coming up front but the defensive line um is is also that that's a huge difference maker and that's one of the key differences even when you look at national championship teams uh, in the bcs series southeastern conference is bringing in defensive linemen and linebackers that are different right In, in, in mass and having that speed at kentucky with that kind of depth at linebacker um you know, that's, that's another big one. So if, if they, if they solve the cornerback, right, you know, internally, the, the, the cornerback, uh, you know, replacements and what they need to do there. Um, I think you could be looking at another, you know, world-class defense. You know, you know, yeah. Nick, the speed difference in the upper level SEC bowl games where, you know, when it mattered, teams really, you know, wanted to be there and all that, but Kentucky, Iowa, yeah. Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Cincinnati, and then that display, the defensive display that Georgia and Alabama put on in the championship game. Nick, it is just different, especially at the defensive line, because 
you know, many times this year on this podcast and I wrote about it, I felt that the backup defensive linemen were much faster than the starters for Kentucky. You know, I look at Trayvon Ripka. They had a big play in the Citrus Bowl. You know, but back-to-back years, Anwar Stewart, who, who you know as well, mm-hmm. defensive line coach, is going to have two players drafted. Quentin Bohanna, Phil Hoskins last year. This mm-hmm. year, Bully McCall, Josh Paschal. And then you just replace those guys with players that you've developed on that defensive line. But, Nick, the speed is just different, right? It, it is. And and that's what's – I mean, if, if there was one drawn line in the sand – difference between Ural's era and this one stylistically it's the speed of the game I mean mm-hmm. yeah you know of course schemes are obviously gonna be different but just I mean you know it was all about having shoulder pads up to you halfway up your helmet back in the day you know now yeah. guys it's it's all based on athletes how good of an athlete are you how well you are to operate in space because you have to adjust to the way that offenses are playing in space um and to see guys be able to cover ground downfield and make plays downfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know what? That's what I noticed with uh, with offensive linemen, too, just watching that All-American Bowl, Antonio Hall's son, Nick Hall, who signed um, with the Cats, watching him move in open space on screens. It's 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 remarkable. Like, these, these guys are a different breed of athlete nowadays. It's not just like, all right, you're the fat guy. You got to play on the line. Like, no, you're, you're a good athlete if you're playing oh, up there. yeah. Hey, listen, that last statement, there's not one single offensive lineman uh, on Kentucky's team that is not a great athlete. And and, and I'm just telling you, and when you say there's a better athlete, you know, out on the the wing, that's a true statement most of the time. But these are these are unbelievably athletic, big people, um, you know, that that are coming in there. And it's just so hard to find. Uh, you can find size, but to find size with athleticism, then find size, athleticism, and a willingness to to do the kind of work required uh, to become great at really any position, but certainly offensive line. Um, you know, I just um, you know, I, I'll tell you, I was not a Mark Stoops fan in his first couple of years. Uh, I thought they were they looked poorly coached to me, um, and boy, was was I wrong? I mean, that guy has has just he, he's uh, it's got to be one of the biggest program turns in the country. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's hard to find a list of bigger turns of a program. And especially to do that in the Southeastern conference with the talent levels that we're talking about. Can you name? An, no. Can, can, I can't. can you, I, I, I'm just trying to think through, is there a bigger turn story of a program anywhere in the country. He's got a six sixty three percent six hundred winning percentage since 2016, which, yeah. you know, at a place like Kentucky that doesn't typically have 60%. Well, I mean, that <laughs> it's, it's remarkable. And now it's just a, a matter of uh, getting people to recognize it. But I kind of like that people still like, you know, yeah, it thrives as that underdog, you know, and that's, yeah, uh, yeah. The culture piece, it really kind of uh, has taken on the pers- persona of its head coach. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, he, he was a, a young head coach that yep. yeah, once, he, once he identified – once he identified some coordinators that fit him was, was, an, was an extension of him, which I think he has now, uh, you know, it really took off. But I can't think of a bigger 
turn around for a program right now. I mean, there's an argument to be made that Mark Stoops is the top 10 coach in the country. And, and there's a lot of people making that argument, which I like to see because, you know, I love the guy. I think he's fantastic. And, and what he's done, if you assume past Bear Bryant as the program's all-time winner, that, that's, that's incredible. And uh, we're seeing that every, every aspect of the program. Well, Wes, thank you so much, man, for coming on. I, I, we ran one minute over. I'm sorry about nope. that. Oh, well, Freddie, it's great to see you, Nick, man. Really good to, to meet you, buddy. Uh, I love what you guys do. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, keep it up. Call me anytime. I'd, I'd, I'd love to talk with you some more, buddy. Thanks, man. Nick, appreciate it, man. I hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. Uh, you can like us, subscribe to us, and all the technical stuff that Wes and Nick told that I have no clue what that means. Uh, but, you know, I, Wes, I'm terrible, man. I, I'm like, I, I can do a word document and I can send an email yeah. and I can get on the KSR website. That's about the extent of my uh, tech skills, bro. That's all you need it's to awful. know. Yeah. That's you get the money, yeah. buddy. <laughs> yeah, Drew Franklin had to teach me how to download music. So just put it that way. <laughs> hey, hey, Wes, I, I hate to keep you longer, but maybe when Kentucky, who did they play, Nick, that was on the inter- on the computer, not on TV? Oh, uh, um, Chattanooga? Uh, yeah, Wes, that, that was a chore, man. Oh, to yeah. To figure out how, how to, for me, I mean, to, uh, it was a nightmare. <laughs> nightmare. Hey, but guys, come on. You could come on up to Louisville, buddy. You know, yeah, I give you a little tutorial program, and uh, you know, make it make it all better for you. I want to go to the lake house. Uh, the lake house is always open to you, man. Um, yeah, I had Parks and uh, some of those guys uh, down uh, a little not too long ago, and I'd love to I'd be, bring the family out. We'll we'll get out on the water, do a little do a little water skiing this summer. Uh, at worst, we'll just sit out on the deck in a hammock and tell some lies. <laughs> did those dudes take their shirt off is the question that i have hey man you know i'm a big dude uh i am what i am i take my shirt <laughs> off because because it's hot you know uh so and i'm even getting replacement parts now right i just had you yeah. know knee replacement on this one i don't care i'm gonna have scars i'm gonna have a belly hanging out at, at the lake I, you know it just it's you know you can't avoid it it's what, what are we gonna do somebody gonna say something yeah i don't care <laughs> Well, guys, thanks so much, man. It was a lot of fun. Y'all have a great day. And right. West Jackson Homes, if you're in Louisville. Thanks, guys. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.